This is Jonathan Hickman, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Stellar. It's like you're excited or something. Could be a little bit. Could be a little bit. I don't get it. You should be excited also, every episode. Uh, I think doing them both at the start will also prevent uh, any fatigue or like, oh my god, I gotta do it again after an hour. Because you know. Yeah. That may be a little bit. That, that's a lot of. That, that's a hard work. That's, that's right. Slap. Yeah. Maybe a little Second. too inside baseball for the, the people listening at home. I forgot. That's okay. They kind of love us. We can do whatever we want. That's true. In theory, right? And if the episode's shorter and we get new people, they're going to learn to love us. So, Well, fingers crossed. Right. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 888. Wow. Ooh. Uh, yes. And I am Vince B. You are Vince B. And I am David A. Price. Indeed. And I am Hazel the Rabbit. Okay. You're not Hazel the Rabbit, though. You're Jason Wood, everybody. Here on the first of our... But I don't want to say bi-weekly because it's not bi-weekly. It's twice-weekly. Twice-weekly. Twice-weekly yeah. episodes. You're going to get us... Two times a week. Isn't that great? I don't know. Depending on how you feel. <laughs> it's, mm. I, I'm excited. I hope you are too. And all of this here, shenanigans, is brought to you by CheapGraphicNovels.com. CheapGraphicNovels.com. If you want Omnibu editions, trade paperback collections, manga, OGNs, there's only one place to go where the prices are super low. And that's CheapGraphicNovels.com. Do a little bit of searching, a little bit of Googling, investigating. Go to Amazon, check the price of things, and then go back to CheapGraphicNovels.com, and you will see that you will pay less at CGN. It's science. And once you place your first order, you will receive an email confirmation saying, hey, thanks a bunch for ordering. You're going to reply to that email confirmation. Why? Because Max is going to give you free shipping on your second order if you say 11 o'clock comics sent me. It's crazy. So it's another layer of savings. It's like a delicious pound cake with some creamy, delicious icing on top of it. Just go to CheapGraphicNovels.com. Do it. Yeah. Who wants to pay more than you have to? For real, though. Crazy. That's dumb. Yeah, I got a lot to talk about this week. So let's just blaze through the drink roll call. I have beer. Okay. I got some beer. Of course you do. Yeah. yeah. All right. This thing is called, it's from Mutant Brewing. And it's called Mutant Serum. Where are they located? Um, that's a really good question. Okay. Uh, Mutant Brewing is in Pittston, Pennsylvania. There you go. Wow. Where all the mutants hang out. It's true. Pennsylvania's loaded with mutants. Never saw a piece of wood they didn't want to turn into a Trump sign. But um, mm. this is... <laughs> seriously, I can carve that thing. This is... I don't know what the what the ABV is on this. 
Nah, so not a whole lot, but it's kind of funny because they use that the the NFT monkey thing oh, that was geez. going around, but mm. they totally obl- obliterate it. It's got like uh, cyber parts and and things hanging off it, and there's hot dogs in it, and it's just really weird. So I, I'm I'm thinking it's a tongue in cheek uh, condemnation of the whole NFT thing, which is good and appropriate because the beer is as well. Very good. Nice. Excellent. Well, I, I wish I could match your wonderful choice, but uh, I'm merely having some strawberry bubbly. Okay. I have decided to go with a uh, a nice, refreshing gin and tonic this evening. Ooh. Hoity-toity. Yeah. Your pinkies out and everything. Always. Love it. Not Love just it. I have something specifically for Jason. Oh, boy. Yep. Okay. But it needs an introduction. So I'm kind of going to hand it off to our buddy, Tony Fleece. Thank you, Tony. You know what that means, Jason, right? I have a Marvel book. Of course you do. Yes. This is another in the chain of slightly annoying conceptual um, a trend that Marvel has adopted for their black and white books with the accent color of red. They used to be called black, white, and red. But now they're called Black, White, and Blood, which I kind I I I find it kind of infuriating because if the red was only used for blood, then conceptually it would make sense, right? But the red is not only used for blood; it's an accent color. So there's been a bunch of these things. There's been a Mood Knight, an Electra, a Deadpool, a Wolverine. Uh, there's a ton of them. But this is called Marvel Zombies, Black, White, and Blood. And uh, as with all anthologies, it's a mixed bag, um, to be sure. There are a trio of what I think uh, are exceptional stories. And then there's a bunch of stuff. Garth Ennis has a story in this, but unfortunately... He was saddled with a, what I consider a not great uh, visual stylist. So Mm. unfortunately, I won't be talking about the Garth Ennis story. But Garth Ennis is a part of this. Um, I just don't like to discount an entire series because all of the stories aren't of the same um, strength, let's just say. Uh, the, The highs are very, very high. On this uh, miniseries. And I'm going to tell you about three stories. Uh, I I won't be super dense. Because, I mean, it's Marvel Zombies. There's not a whole lot on which to chew. Pun intended. But this uh, four-issue mini is written and illustrated by a bunch of people. Uh, First of all, it's uh, a story in the first issue called Hope. This is going to rip David's world apart. It's written by Alex Segura, 
with art by Javi Fernandez. And it's a Spider-Man tale. Ooh. So Spider-Man's in the Daily Bugle offices, and he's defending Jonah and a bunch of, of Daily Bugle employees from waves of ravenous zombies. Shit hits the fan. Da- Daily Bugle offices are inundated by zombies. And Peter's trademark optimism is is wavering, to say the least. Um, especially after he's attacked by a zombie Betty Brant. Now, if you're a Spider-Man fan, you know that Betty was his first love, right? Mm-hmm. And not long after Betty, but he's attacked by Robbie Robertson, the, the one person that was in his corner at the Daily Bugle. So Peter's, he's shaken, right? Uh, Spidey gets Jonah and company to relative safety. All the while, he's thinking, oh, man, I, I, re- I hope that MJ and Aunt May are okay. Like, oh, Aunt May, please be okay. And, and he's exhausted because he's one guy trying to fight off all these zombies. And so he, he, he pings the Avengers for backup. And they're busy, <laughs> right? And something hits him from behind. It's a zombie Aunt May. And and what little was left of, of Peter's hope is, is completely gone. He, he can't fight back. She keeps screaming, where's Peter? Where's my nephew Peter? What if Because remember, Aunt May doesn't know, or at least in this reality, Aunt May doesn't know that Peter and Spider-Man are one and the same. And, and she's pummeling him. She's like, what have you done with Peter? And she's beating the crap out of essentially her nephew. And Peter takes off the mask. And he shows her his, his true identity, right? And she begs him to kill her. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she's like, kill me. Just, just kill me. And, and he does. And it's over. It's over for Peter. The, um, that, that trademark Parker uh, optimism is completely gone. And the story does not end well. So that's that's gut wrenching, but it's not the worst of the gut wrenching stories. The in issue number two, there's a story called "Under the Eye of an Unkind Future," which was written by Gail Simone. So you know you're in good hands. Very talented writer, illustrated by Dale Eaglesham. Ooh, yes, and. Dap, what do you think, or who do you think is the focus of this story? If you could have your choice, Dale Eaglesham doing a Marvel story, what do you think he's illustrating? What would you want him to illustrate? Knowing his, oh man, I like his style, so I'm I, I'm thinking somebody big, Hint. bombastic. He's done the book before. He ha- Close, Fantastic Four. Oh, so just it, the group as a whole. Okay, it right. is a Fantastic Four story illustrated by Dale Eaglesham with color art by Yen Nitro. I love that name. And the focus is Reed Richards, uh, appropriately enough, because he has seven. He's he's made a calculation. He has seven days in which to stop the zombie plague. Doesn't do it in seven days. It's all over. So he builds a structure called the spire which is a giant tower with no steps. 
for the specific purpose, doesn't want the zombies getting in while he's working. So he he he's out of harm's reach while he tries to zomb to science the zombies away, right? Says his goodbyes. He gives Ben, you know, a loving send off. He's like, you, you were the best friend I ever. I didn't have many friends, but I, I, you were my best friend. And then he he tells Johnny, you know, I, the man you've turned into. It's like I have nothing but pride and respect for you. And he gives Susie, you know, a hug, and um, he gets cracking, and he's got Herbie at his side. And every action is precision timed. He can't waste time. He's got to solve this within seven days. So um, how long he eats and bathes and talks to his his children, he can't waste a second. Everything is, is just timed right down to the, the microsite. It's read, right? You would expect this. Which is why he gets completely pissed off when Tony Stark calls him. And Tony's like, read... Um, we lost the mole man. The mole man has been turned, and his minions. Like it's bad, and and Tony starts to talk about something involving the super scroll, and reads like, Tony, I don't have time for this. Like, don't call me back. This is over. So it, it's a series of days. Like day one, he he's trying to get to the root of the problem, and and it, it proceeds apace. On day four, Eureka. He figures it out. It's the cosmic rays. The cosmic rays that created the Fantastic Four altered his metabolism so radically that any infection that enters his system is reduced to a crawl. So he's like, I got it. We're going to bombard humanity with cosmic rays. And he's telling Tony this. Tony calls back. Um, he's telling Tony this, and 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 Tony's like, yeah, you know, but the, the thing with the super scroll, like, I'm 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 sorry. And Reed's like, no, this is it. I, I I got it. It turns out, the Fantastic Four fought the super scroll, who was turned, and it killed everybody but Reed. And the people, the 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 first part of the story when Reed was saying goodbye to his loved ones, there was no one there. That's fucked up. That is completely fucked up. <laughs> and it's just like, kill me. Kill me now, right? <laughs> There's no happy endings in the Marvel Zombies universe, right? Um, last but not least, uh, I think this is the one reason you should actually check out this series because it is written and drawn by a consummate craftsman, Steve Scratchy. Okay. Yeah. And it's called Strange Ass Bedfellows <laughs> with color art by Brian Reber. Um, it's it's basically a tale of Blade, the vampire hunter, and his trusty sidekick, Rick Jones. Like, what is happening? <laughs> uh, they're, on, they're on their way to a place called the Sanctuary, which is the world's only safe haven from the zombie plague. It's a self-sufficient city behind an impenetrable force field. And the title, Strange Ass Bedfellows, points to the people in control that are that are maintaining the city. Definitely not a group Blade would have worked with in the past because those 
in charge in the city are vampires. And Blade has made an agreement that to take the last vestiges of humanity as blood bags, basically, to get into the city. So he, on, on one hand, he's saving, in quotes, these people. But on the other, they're just going to be, you know, an all-you-can-eat buffet for the vampires. Dark shit. Like, that is crazy. But uh, Scratchy's art, oh, my God. Um, I don't know what kind of continuity there is here because uh, the opening uh, salvo blade just eviscerates Reed Richards, just tears him apart. And it proceeds. Uh, there's a number of encounters, but it, it's, it's got, there's a Mad Max um, Fury Road type um, travel to the city and they're being attacked. And, and you know, uh, I can't get the blood bag thing out of my mind. That's part and parcel of Fury Road, right? But I just thought the series was really good. The, like I said, the highs were great. Um, it would have worked a lot better if it was a oversized one-shot instead of four issues where you could just trim the crap. And like, there's a story in there where Proudstar one-on-one beats Cable. Like, really? That would never happen. And um, hilarious that that's what you take issue with. No, it's it's just silly. Like like Cable Cable's turned and, and Proudstar takes takes him out. And it's like, yeah, right. Not not in any universe, my friend. But um, the the I mean the art on that was okay. But that's my main problem with the other stories. The art is not up to the standards of, of Scratchy or, or Eagle Sham or, or, you know, Javi Fernandez. They're really very talented, um, you know, visual stylists. And I don't I don't want to demean the other ones, but if you have a book with such um, standout artists as these, and then you surround it with, let's be honest, lesser talents, like the whole series suffers. Just make it, a, you know, let, let's do a little bit of, of curation here and 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 it's not a marvel tryout book right there should be a standard by which you you know you need you want to get in the door you got to be this good and a couple well more than a couple are not so buyer beware um marvel zombies black white and blood those the three stories i talked about are very very good and i enjoyed it immensely love it yeah uh, Jason, do you want to talk about Ultimate Spider-Man number one? I mean, I'll chime in with y'all. I mean, I I don't have a ton to say on it, but I'm I'll. But if you if you guys want to talk it up, I'm definitely here to. Well, I know Vince does it. No, it was it wasn't going to be my 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 main, but figuring that it just came out this week. Um, and like I said to you guys, and and this is probably. Well, okay. Uh, like Vince said on the main slag, I have seen, I also have seen Marco look a little smoother, look a little better. I don't know if maybe he's doing a switching things up so he can maybe maintain a schedule. Uh, if, if, if this is a, a deliberate yeah. switch. It, it did look a little rushed. I mean, yeah. it, so, it, unfinished in some spots even. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, the, the the bones are still there. I can still tell it's him because of the faces, things like that. But but yeah, it wasn't as as clean as his Punisher work with with Rucka or or even uh, even his um, Phasm stuff from 
from the Star Wars books. The, um, so, I mean, art, Marco, I'm fine with that. It was an exercised issue, which is, you know, always nice to see when you, when, when you want to start. But, um, my, and, and this is the ultimate universe. I, it, it's, I, I'm, I dig alternate realities. So, I mean, that's, that, that's fine. I, I, I like some of the switches that they made. And, uh, as far as, you know, who's, who's alive and maybe who's not, um, but I think probably my biggest um, nit to pick would be that uh, it's it's the first issue of a new Spider-Man book, and we never see Spider-Man. We we almost sort of kind of see Spider-Man on the last page, but it's not like we get a full blown swinging through the city Spider-Man. I I would have liked to have seen that, but setting up whatever they have planned, I. I, I really wasn't bothered by it. I, I, I went in with low expectations thinking that I just, I'm not, I'm going to give him benefit. I'm, I'm going to give him a shot, but chances are uh, it may be close to a whiff and I'm not, I'm, I'm not looking forward to what's going to happen by the time I get to the end of the issue. But I, I got to say, I was, I was pleasantly surprised by, if, if you want to say the book is boring, fine, but, the the setting things up i'm i'm interested to see where they where where they're going i'll probably check out the second issue just to see how things land or how, how they're going how they're preparing to have things land but i wasn't i i i can't say i was really all that bothered by first issue <clears throat> Go ahead, no i think you're much more lenient than i um i just thought it was a bunch of talking heads it, yes. it it didn't didn't hook me either way. I, I thought that he included the things one would expect to see in a Spider-Man universe. Like we had a Green Goblin cameo and mm. and a Kingpin cameo and a, uh, the, my major um, the major detriment for me going in is how mired in event level continuity this book is for a first issue it's all predicated on that ultimate whatever the hell happened whatever it was that, called yeah, yeah that yeah. ultimate thing that 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 um he just did where um like if a marvel event hits to the direct market and and doesn't make a sound like does <laughs> did it really happen why why would you tie the origin, one of the best written, most memorable origin stories of any superhero to a, a lackluster, weak event, right? I, I, I don't think there's a lot of fidgeting one needs to do with the origin of The Amazing Spider-Man. It's, it's near perfect. Right. There's only one better, and that's, that's Superman, right? And better, I think, is a relative term. In sure. this, like, is it better? It, depending on the, the 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 time of the week or my mood, I would I would either I would vacillate between the two. But um, like, Spider Man is the I, I know I, my love for the Fantastic Four, notwithstanding, Spider Man is the the poster child for the Marvel universe, and it makes sense to start off this this thing this endeavor with an you know um, Ultimate Spider Man. That's great. But th there was nothing. There, there was no nostalgia to this. There, there was no. Um, 
revelation. There was no novel take on the on the origin. It was just it is. It just is. Mm-hmm. And that's not I, no. I I mean, there's way there's so much out there to read that I'm not giving Hickman the benefit of the doubt. I'm just not reading it. I read this first issue, and okay, nice try. I don't need to see anything beyond this first issue. It, call me, uh, you know, a hardliner, but there's plenty of other things to occupy my time. I don't need of to. Of course. Yeah. Remind me, did you read Ultimate Spider-Man? I can't remember. Oh yeah, for a long time. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. he loved uh, he, he loved Krakor Gwen. Yeah. And do you think, looking back nice. on it, that part of the reason you like the original Ultimate Spider-Man is because it was basically a retelling of the origin, give or take, that we we already knew? It was the give or take part that I that I enjoyed. Um, the 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 thing that really kept me reading it was not so much Bendis's writing or Bagley's uh, pencils. It was Richard Eisenhove. Like I really liked what he did. He, I think he was a, a, a beautiful accent to Bagley's pencils. And, um, no, I thought that it, it was a, it was a, a memorable take. Let, let's reduce Peter back to, you know, teen ish years. And the, the, the fact that Kitty Pride focused into, like, it was fun. It was a fun, more or less, a fun book that revisited a lot of, of old, um, chestnuts, but in a in a new way, right? Uh, I thought the goblin was cool. Like they didn't definitely didn't rehash anything with the goblin. It was a neat spin on the green goblin. I I, I enjoyed it. Um, it may have gone on a little bit too long, but I liked it. This mm-hmm. is just I thought this was tepid. Um, there's some really good drawing in it, uh, but for the most part, it was just a bunch of people talking around, uh, sitting around talking, and. I, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have to say, I mean, I was the one, I mean, I had no intention of reading this, uh, but then we got to discussing it and its merits, and I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll read it. Um, so I guess I went in with absolutely no expectations, and I came away, I thought it was fine. Like, I, in the meaning, like, I didn't, I mean, I didn't really have any issues with, with it, because, like we said a couple times now, it's it's a new take on on Spider-Man. Um, I mean, the, I don't we don't have to spoil the whole the whole thing, but the premise is that in this world, Peter is, um, you know, ma- married with kids and forty ish, and he's never been Spider Man. And that's and 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 that was the one part where when he's talking to MJ and he's talking about needing a change, it read to me up to that point, or before I got to the end of the book, that almost as if he had given up being spider-man and and this was a calling for him he needed to go back to it whereas in actuality he never was and and he's getting bit eventually but it's it i just wasn't sure and again because this is my first time reading this new ultimate universe i wasn't quite sure what exactly that conversation like what there was obviously there was unspoken words going on between the two of them being as married for as long as they are knowing each other, as long as they have. So, so they were able to read between the lines that I, I wasn't, but like I read that and I need to change. Okay. So you need to go out swinging again. And, and that's, that's what I was expecting. But as I keep reading, I'm like, well, then that, that, that doesn't, I'm not quite sure how that conversation they were having really, it it definitely played out differently in my head than it was whatever Hickman was writing for them to be saying, I guess. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, honestly, it's one of those things where, like, 
I think it was fine. Uh, it's not, it's not though something I'm clamoring to like pick up. I mean, it's not my job to be a, a, a marketing executive for Marvel, but I, I do wonder with something like this where, I, I mean, I thought it was fun, perfectly like well executed, but, but I think of myself, like, I'm not like who, when they're planning to reboot the ultimate universe again, like who's that for? Cause yeah. I mean, in, in many ways it's a reboot. Uh, it's a, it's like a, it's, it's like a rebirth of the original or in, in many ways. I mean, now this seems like the status quo aren't going to be quite aligned, but but at least with this Peter thing. But certainly, like you got the maker who's the main villain from the you know. I mean, it's like a, there's certainly some overlap, or at least they're they're trying to pull. And I just wonder, like, just like we were, do the Ultimate Universe people, the kids that came into the Marvel Universe from the, during the Ultimate line, are grown ass men now and women now too. And and I I wonder, like, do they care about going back? I mean. If they stuck around comics, I suspect going back isn't all that interesting. Um, and then if it's designed to pull new readers in, I just think it's like a fallacy that there's college-age kids that are just clamoring for an alternative take to the Marvel Universe. Because why would they even know to ask that, right? Like, they just want to, if they're interested in comics about these characters, chances are, unless they, they already knew about it from their, like, their parents or something like they 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 actually want to re- pick up a comic that's fun and action-packed and reminds them of the movies like that's what they want right well that's essentially what the ultimate universe is no, or was it was yeah like, that's what it was is, this clearly isn't no right? no no not at all so it's like it's it's again i'm not even like i have no issue with the comic I, honestly but but i i i don't i just it makes me wonder like who is this for like because it's not different enough that theoretically you're going to capture like young readers that wouldn't want to read Spider-Man anyway. And then in point of fact, as we've already said, this is a story of a bunch of older people. It's literally a story where, you know, uh, Jonah and his partner who shall remain nameless, remain nameless, um, are basically starting anew in their seventies. And Peter is a 40 year old dad. Like it's, it's, it's a very, uh, and it's not action packed, like you said. So this first issue is, I mean, as you think about it, it's pretty much geared towards like older men and women, right? Like it's 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 like it's a book designed and written and and with the aesthetic and the pacing of someone more like our age than a twenty year old kid, right? So I just I'm like, okay, but we're we're already here. Like if we're if like if I'm picking up Ultimate Spider Man number one today or this week, it's because I'm already a comic fan. So like. You're not, you're not bringing me in. I'm already here. It's just a weird thing. I don't, like, it feels like they don't, if the attempt was to create something totally new, theoretically, to bring in new comic readers, I don't know how this does that. But even so, then those, uh, you know, unicorns, those hypothetical new readers, okay, yeah. if they come to the store and they're like, oh, Ultimate Spider-Man number one, it is on, the, it's all on the, the comic book uh, retailer to say, wait a minute, this is a first issue. But you need to know more than what's in this issue going in. You need to read this thing that I don't even think is collected yet. That 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 previous Hickman Ultimate thing that came out like you know yeah, not, Ultimate. 
Yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, so how is how is if if I was wanted to read something and they said, well, you got to read these five issues before whatever it was going, and I'd be like, well, no, I'm done. I don't, I'm I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm just not gonna read those. I I love Spider Man. I don't want this this weird Reed Richards kid thing destroying a. What is that? Just give me Peter. That's why I'm here. But again, it's it's interesting. Marvel and DC are so different in that regard too, right? DC DC always, I mean, it's 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 in the DNA of most of the main characters to have to have follow predecessors and 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 uh, successors, you know. Yeah, but Marvel never really set that up. No, I mean, look and at every time they do. They uh, the, anytime a legacy character passes the torch, it always goes back. True. Yeah. I mean, look at DC now with Superman. Every issue is Superman family. Every issue. Like it's, it, he's got a whole posse now. And it's and uh, okay, no, that I mean, Superman family was fun back in the day because they were all of the you know the Superman and associates, but they were individual stories. Like I don't want to see them all together. Superman doesn't need a posse. He's Superman. And granted, I know I haven't read the books, but when I see eight characters on the front of a book with Superman, like unless it's an earth-shattering event, something's up. Like it just reeks of marketing. To me, yeah, you know, right. Well, right. Yeah, I mean, we've all had this conversation many times, right? And I'm not saying the stories are bad, good, whatever. Um, I'm indifferent to them because I see the gears in the machine. I don't want to see the gears. I just want to read a story about, again, debatable, the world's greatest superhero, at least the first greatest superhero, right? I'm coming for Superman. I'm not coming for Jonathan. I know it's part of the deal now. Um, And all these other characters, I just want to read a really fun, good Superman story without all the baggage. And you can't have that now. And and but that's that's a problem with all of the both of the companies because if you want to read a Spider-Man story, there's like sixteen thousand different Spider books out now. What what do you what do you read? Which which one is the one for you? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to do it. Yeah, I mean it's 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 <laughs> it's kind of one of the reasons I stopped wanting to do the previews videos because, like, you do the DC Connect catalog and. There's 35 different Gotham-related titles, mm-hmm. you know, and then you do the Marvel, and it's it's 15 Spider-related books, and then no shade to you, I know you like them, but like another eight to ten symbiote books. I mean, there are yeah. there are eight to ten symbiote books out a month. And that's not <laughs> an exaggeration. Like, <laughs> not, that isn't that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, they're not all good. I mean, surprise, no, no, they're not. But, but to me, it's not about are they good or not. Like I think about that with with both with Spider, with Batman. Most he's, I mean, Batman's the most egregious in this regard. But, but, like, again, who are these comics for? Even the most diehard people, which are people like us and people listening to this show, how many of us at this point in our lives in our reading cycle would buy? 15 different bat books in a month and read them or or 10 spider-man books and read them right because we would know as we do that some of them are going to be very good right like like and sure you maybe could pick some so i'm not saying i'm sure lots of people read seven or eight different bat books a month and and i'm sure lots of people read 
that many spider books and more power to them. But we're talking a small number of a small number. You know, it's it's so it's like like they they flood the market with their product, but then how does then that help them sell the product as an evergreen status? Because it's like I walk into a store. You know, I haven't read Superman in a while. No, not Superman's bad example. Um, I haven't read Batman in a while. Um, you know, what, Mr. Short, Mr. Store Clerk, what, what should I be reading? I mean, nine times out of ten, right? Like, if they're an engaged clerk, they may say, well, like, well, what other Batman stories did you most like? Right? In an ideal world, right, they, they'd say, what were your favorites? And you tell them, and he could maybe point you. But the reality is, if you come in like that, they're probably like, oh, yeah, well, there's Batman, there's Detective. And they might say, like, I really like the Tom King run of it, right? Like, they're just going to kind of give you the main titles, right? So it's, like, these specific ones that are by this creator or this miniseries or whatever. Like, who are they for? Like, how are you selling that to someone that's not specifically having read the solicit wants that, right? Like, I just don't get it. Again, it's it's not like if there's one, like, kind of, like, C or D title on the side. So you you can maybe sell them, like, oh, this is quirky because there are 15 different books each month that most aren't really connected. So, like, I don't know, again, who they're for. And and that's that's a big reason why I've really lost my love for most superhero comics in Marvel and DC, because right. I just... I Like, if you're going to give me 15 things, great, but make it 15 totally different, really well-done things. I don't... I don't know. But it's We're a done. problem... It's a problem with, with the, the retailing side, where a, a responsible retailer is not exactly what I would classify as a good retailer, right? A responsible retailer is going to tell you, oh, these, these books all have their, their, their pluses, right? There, there's something good about, about all of these titles, depending on what you're looking for. But that's not what I want to hear. Like, I want to hear, don't read this, man. It's, it's not good. But that is not going to benefit the retailer. He's going to lose money. Like, show me a retailer that does not want to sell you something. Right, yeah. where I mean, right. I'm friendly with the local guy, and he'll tell me like, uh, no, no, just stay away from that. But that's not a responsible retailer because now he's losing money. But he knows me that I'll, you know, the 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 gravy train's still going to keep rolling because if I don't read that, chances I'm going to read something else. But if somebody comes in off the street and it's like, what bat book should I be reading? A, a responsible retailer will say. Well, this is what it's good about this book, and this is what's good about this book. And even if the book isn't great, they will find something in order to to grease the wheels to you, you know, unleashing some cash, right? So it's it's a hard it's it, it, I, it's a I wouldn't want to be a retailer because I can't tell you anything other than the truth. Like I have this weird thing about the truth. The truth is the truth. And if I think a book stinks, I'm going to tell you straight up, I don't like this book at all. I sell it, <laughs> but I don't like it at all. And here's why you shouldn't read it. That's not doing me any good. It's doing the reader or the customer uh, a solid by not having them expend money on something that is not as good as the other examples featuring this character. But how do you approach it as a retailer? What do you do? I, I, it, it, that's why I'm not behind the counter, right? Well, the answer is they don't carry most of these books. They, right. They just order enough to, to fulfill their pull lists. Yeah, right. Whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and so they just don't order them. And, you know, the, they're used to – it wasn't that long ago. I mean, certainly when I was going to do a shop on a regular basis, they had every Marvel and DC book always, right? Like, like because that's just the way it was. There were always copies on the shelf. 
So, like, now they're at a point where, I mean, like, I know the guys at Challengers, they were talking about this a few months ago. I think there were 10 different Batman books that they don't carry. And, like, it's no one ever cares about. Like, they, it's, you know what I mean? Like, no one ever walks in and is frustrated that didn't have it. Now, see, that's a good retailer. Well, sure. Right. I mean, they, because Eisner, you know, they it, won an it, Eisner for being best best retailer. In, you know. Right. It's it's a their omission is a vote against that book, so yes. they they don't think it has the quality that they require uh, in their in their retailing, so they don't order it. Like that makes sense. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, if somebody wants it, I'm sure they'll they'll get it just to fulfill that. Oh order. no, no, right. They'll, yeah. they'll have it. Club. That's their, they, they, they always talk about like what they call a club. They have you know a subscription club, but yeah, they, they'll they'll the only copies they have of most comics these days are are, are pool copies. What we used to call pool pool lists, right? Like that's and and that wasn't because that's how they want to do it, but that's how they have to do it to survive because they cannot. If a comic doesn't sell in the first three weeks, it's on the shelf. It's basically a loss for them right. because people aren't walking into the store anymore looking to buy modern back issues unless they're slapped right or like or some kind of crazy variant so that's just lost money retailers just have to basically give those away or fire sell them at some point yeah it kind of hurts my heart um in a sense because um i'm more attuned to the aesthetic um the art side of 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 things and art and commerce strange bedfellows right mm. where um, a book that i think is just phenomenal and wonderful is probably not going to grab a, a a large chunk of the the buying public <laughs> so it's yeah um my heart goes out to all the retailers that they have to walk this really fine line of 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 uh, commerce and and aesthetics and it's just it's tough it's a tough tough place to be Mm -hmm. but i mean just to clarify i didn't think ultimate spider-man number one was a bad issue i mean hickman is is a great writer see even even slouching his books are of a certain standard um above a lot of other people's books but it's just it just it's not the type of spider-man that i want to read i get that yeah yeah i keep searching i mean hopefully one day it's it's no i mean at least we knew you know, Rain was a limited series, and and that 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 was designed at the time. It felt like it was it was finite, it was definitive, and that's that's like the last Spider-Man story. And obviously, I, I think Harry's coming out with a part two, but uh, more people. You know, we've seen we've seen older people. We've seen we've seen an older Peter. We've seen uh, the married Peter. Uh, like Raj said, this this game renew your vows vibes, and and I get that. Um, I. Yeah, it's it's. I've always viewed the Ultimate Universe. I didn't. I didn't really get in on the ground floor with the Ultimate Universe because I already read my Spider-Man. I grew up with that version, so I didn't. I I, I didn't need the new one to entice me to read a Spider-Man book. But it, as cool as the concept was, but um, yeah, I. I I, I just look at it as as almost like a what if, and and I can yeah. if I can compartmentalize it that way, it's it's the spoonful of sugar. But um, I mean, is it is this going? Would this replace th- this? Had I wasn't planning on doing this, but it, it it's not. This isn't a threat to me enjoying Miles Morales. If I only have one Spider Man book, 
it's going to be Miles right now. So I mean, it, right. it's not like Ultimate Spider-Man was going to was going to dethrone it. Even Superior Spider-Man is, is is struggling against it. So I just um, you know, I, I gave it a shot because it's Spidey, and right. because like like Jason alluded to, there was the, there was the the conversation on the Slack about it. So uh, I at least wanted to be kind of aware of what's kind of going on in the zeitgeist. But yeah, yeah, it 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 it, it, it is what it is. And like I said I'll I'll probably flip through the second issue when I see it at the shop just to see if um, if my feelings may change or. If, if it zigs when I thought it was going to zag, but we'll, we'll see it. If you're enjoying it, absolutely. I, I, I think it's great. I am going to check out the first issue of, um, of, of the black Panther book because I'm, I, I, I like Stefano Caselli's artwork. Um, who doesn't, I know, I know. I don't know about the other, what's, what's the third one? I think, but anyway, yeah, I just, I, it's, I read it, glad I read it, but, um, and it was, it ended up being, Slightly better than I thought it was going to be, so it's it, nice. it, it's a win in that regard. Mm. I, I think the the first round of the Ultimate Universe was lightning in a bottle. Sure, it, it it struck at a time when the regular titles were were slagging a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel was not at the the top of their game, and this thing came along that somehow managed to capture the attention of a whole bunch of people. And and so it it just put a lot of gas in the Marvel tank for years, and it, like I said, it, I think it was a, a, a the success was surprising. I bet to the people even at Marvel that these books managed to catch on as as uh, strongly as they did. I remember um, back in the day that the Ultimate books were the ones that everybody wanted, like yeah. that that was the thing. And uh, the regular titles, eh, you know, the, the Avengers weren't were in a pl- not in a good place, and and um, uh, Amazing Spider-Man wasn't firing on all cylinders. So you had these these alternate takes that managed to capture what we loved about the originals, but in a new and 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 novel and updated way. But I don't I don't think that's what this is. Um, I this is just. Um, it's it's novelty to in a sense that tries to recapture something that was unplanned to begin with. Mm-hmm. So it it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, listen. Uh, we always, like you said, we always come back and try. I mean, I, yeah. I am, I am low key hopeful for Spectacular Spider Man, which was solicited this month. It's, it's. Yeah, coming out in a few months, it's Humberto Ramos drawing yeah. both, both Peter and Miles together for the first time. I love that. Uh, that that sounds like a, a a Spider-Man comic I could be into. So I'll give it a try, you know, and hopefully it hopefully it it, it it's what I'm looking for, and I'll and I'll read that. That sounds like a license to print money. Yeah, it well, especially Humberto. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll give it a look. Well, when when you say for the first time, you mean Humberto drawing them together for the first time. No, it's the first time they're in an ongoing series together. Oh, an ongoing. Okay, all right. Yeah, but that that all is is uh, tied to the the video game, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, mean, yeah. I just finished Spider Man Two a few days before I saw the solicit, and I thought, oh, that's brilliant timing. Yeah. Hey, if it's a success and it spirals out of a video game, who cares, right? I mean, if if the game was the impetus to releasing a really good book that everybody seems to to enjoy, who am I to say? Right. And I do I I, I I like that it's in universe in six one six and not the gamerverse. 
because I, I haven't read not one of any of those those comics or, or novels. Yeah, mm-hmm. Same, same. Well, there you go. Although I, I was gifted a uh, a novel, a novelization of, of the first Spider-Man game. I haven't read it yet, but I, I have it. Hmm. So what else do we have, Jason? Well, Vince, um, you know, next week we have a big episode coming up. Do we not? I do uh, believe we do. We have two big episodes coming up. Yes. That is true. We uh, Let me rephrase. Next week we have a big event. <laughs> it's a big going week. Going on during the show. <laughs> it's a crossover event. The 11 O'Clockers, Vince. And I hope at this point I don't have to explain to everyone listening what they are uh, because you'll – if theoretically this is the first you're hearing of it, then you have about 36 hours from the time you listen to this to get your votes correlated. But mm. but uh, but nevertheless, next week we talk about our favorites of 2023 across all different types of categories. And, well, I'm not going to say where on the ballot that this book is going to be there, but I will – I can spoil it and say that this book certainly is going to be on my ballot. And that is a book uh, that um, I hope I'm pronouncing it right because it's uh, it's Arabic, but I believe it's Shubik Lubik. Um, and that is Arabic for your wish is my command. This is a graphic novel. It's over 500 pages. And it's like, it's a, like capital, capital N novel. Um, Written and drawn by Dina Mohammed, who is an Egyptian cartoonist. Uh, and it is just magnificent. As you can imagine by the title, right? Your wish is my command. There's, this is in some way involving a genie. But what it really is, is a, um, it's, it's set in modern day Cairo, Egypt. Um, but it's, um, it's, it's an alt history kind of a place. So it's not our Cairo in, in that, um, in this world. Uh, magic is real, and it's basically uh, like Vince was saying, art and commerce. It's basically commerce. Uh, wish wishes are commerce. Um, just like you can buy a car, you can buy wishes in this world. Um, but just like, just like, there's a difference between buying a, you know, a used Miata off a off the local lot and uh, and a McLaren. You know, um, there are very different types of wishes, and those wishes are basically striated uh by economic value so the average you know low-income family that really wants a wish they're they're basically playing the monkey's paw game um in fact the the book opens up with just this very thing where a a a woman makes a wish to lose she goes into like a bodega whatever the egyptian equivalent of a bodega is and she buys this wish and it's in a it's not in any kind of fancy bottle it's it's in a it's in like a beer can <laughs> she opens the beer can up and she wishes that she wants to lose 15 kilos off of her body cuz she's a bit portly and uh, of course you know monkey's paw the genie's like your wish is my command and she, her arm and her leg fall off so it's like <laughs> so it kind of sets the tone that like you know Wishes are like any other commodity in our real world, which is that you get what you pay for, right? And and you and and then wealthy people who can afford the the high end stuff, they they get like true wishes, you know, beautiful bottles. They get the wish. It's it's pretty much interpreted as they intended it to be interpreted. 
Um, so just that's kind of the setup for like the world, but the story is really much more heartfelt than that. Um, the story it's it's three three people get a wish each is basically how it's structured. But the story centerpiece is a gentleman named Shockery, and he is the owner of a kiosk, like a newsstand, you know, snack kiosk, like you'd see in any major city. Um, and he's owned the, he's owned this kiosk forever and ever, and he's not a wealthy guy by any means, um, but he's a good person. And he um, he sells like the cheap wishes and he sells magazines and snacks or whatever. But he happens to have in his possession three of like the premium, that good shit like that indie Kush wishes. Like he's got three of like the high end, like Bugatti of wishes. And um, we find out as the story goes how he came into possession of these because these are way more valuable than he could ever afford. And they might be thinking, well, then why doesn't he use them? Well, he doesn't use them because he is uh, he's Muslim. And in Islam, in, in this world that Dina has crafted, is, Islam doesn't just views using the wishes as uh, as going against the religion. So they, he won't use the wishes, but he's allowed to sell them. But the thing is, is he works, you know, he owns this little teeny kiosk in like a poor part of Cairo. So no one's coming to my dude thinking he's got a Bugatti, right? Like they would think it's a knockoff. So he has trouble selling these wishes, but he he has them for sale, and he eventually ends up selling them to these three. We see the story of the three people that eventually get the wishes from him, and uh, and each is is you know I won't go through them, but each is 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 a wonderfully crafted and very very unique. With the 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 first one is a a, a widow. Um, the the second is a um, uh, like a, a privileged uh, like super wealthy um, kid. They are. Uh, non-binary and just going through life, not really clear on on purpose, and they make the wish that they wish for. And I, I won't say what they are, what those wishes are. And then the third one is really about Shakri trying to figure out what to do with the last wish because he just wants to be done with them. Um, but again, he doesn't want to use it himself, and uh, and and takes you. I think just a, a wonderful ending that. Uh, I just think it was full of heart and really well thought out, but it's, this book is such a triumph because it's, it's, it's a social commentary. It is a commentary about ca- capitalism in general class structure, but, but not, but while those messages are right there for you to see the book ultimately is this beautifully crafted book about heart, almost like a modern fairy tale. Um, but, but with more like modern morality in, embedded in it and some heart, um, and um, yeah, I just thought it was terrific. Um, just and little things that she, that that Dina did in the book too for a first time graphic novels is massively impressive. Like she renders the genies as um, like this beautiful Arabic calligraphy. It's almost like the word coming to life, you know. Um, and then in between the three big chapters, she has these awesome interstitials that kind of take you through the history of this world. We find out in one of them how Shakri's father came into possession of these. Uh, these these high end wishes many many years before and it was during a like an Indiana Jones like archaeological dig type of a thing. Um, we we in another interstitial we see the history of 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 how wishes became uh, weapons of socioeconomic power and how certain countries have leveraged them to become more powerful and 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 the like. It's just these little little ways to fill out the world uh and and make it feel fully fully conceived instead of uh just getting a peek of it um just amazing stuff and um dina is very young she's in her mid-20s i think and she um i think this book came out in 2018 originally in 
in in Egypt, um, and it was in Arabic. And so another cool thing about this is you read this like a manga, because Arabic also is right to left. So um, uh, if you've ever read manga, it'll be an easy adjustment. But uh, but yeah, I thought it was just a beautiful book, and uh, certainly one of the best things that I've read this year. Um, just just awesome. So Shubik Lubik. Mm, I saw the title, and I said I'm going to nickname this thing Shuby Luby. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to demean it, but it just looks like Shuby Luby to me, and that's a good way to remember it. There you go. Uh, it does look like something I want to read. Yeah, it's really it's great too because right, like what, what do we, it's we're always talking about how we want to, at least I, I want to have new experiences with comics. I want comics to surprise me to it's and and admittedly with with our reading histories it's harder and harder to ever be surprised genuinely surprised or or see something unique so when i get a chance to it really hits home and um i certainly knew next to nothing about egyptian culture i certainly have never read to my knowledge an egyptian uh comic before so um yeah it's just it's great to see another peek into the world right we're used to getting italian imports and French bon dessinée and and uh, right and and obviously manga being the most prevalent, but I I don't I hope we I hope we start seeing more and more uh, you know art and comic from places that we're not like typically familiar with. So that'd be great. Like I would love that. You know, it's it's awesome. Interesting. Well, I have something in, in my in your travels that if would surprise you, but I don't mm. believe, I don't believe you're reading it. And it's it's odd because it's mm. it's pretty damn awesome. But uh, I'll get to that. And uh, remember, everybody, this episode has been sponsored by CheapGraphicNovels.com. It's all in the name. All you need to know: OGNs, trade paperbacks, Omnibu, manga, all at uh, drastically slash prices. A, go there, find something you like, order it. You're going to get an email confirmation. You're going to reply to the email confirmation saying 11 o'clock comics sent me and you will be gifted with free shipping on your next order. And remember, we have a retooled Patreon, people. It's lean and mean and everything you always wanted but never had the stones to ask for. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. We only have two, well, we have three tiers. One is just a tip. But five bucks a month will get you a bonus episode, right? Ten bucks a month gets you access to the Slack. And everything that we used to put on the Patreon is now embedded into the Slack. Audios, videos, downloads, cover images, page images, everything, all the fun that we used to have on the Patreon and their lousy site has now been ported into the Slack where it's much more efficient and user-friendly. So, uh, plus you get to talk to people, like-minded individuals, about everything. Not only comics, life, the universe, and, and everything within. So, uh, check out the Patreon page. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Did I do that right? Sounds right to me, my friend. All right, all right. So, uh, in your travels, the book that Jason should be reading, but probably isn't, I got caught up on Q Hayashida's Die Dark. Are you reading Die Dark, Jason? I have not read any Die Dark. Oh, boy. Well, if you're looking for a book that is <laughs> unlike anything out there, uh, a surprising book, you should be reading Die Dark. 
I'm not going to get into it. Talk like in complexity. Uh, I've talked about it many times, but um, Hayashida revels in the minutia of the worlds they've crafted, the how and the why things work, the the crafting of meals, the process of sleep, traveling from place to place. All this stuff is detailed with wide-eyed wonder. Like it's just a an enjoyment of of the process of things and and for a book as dark as this like death and the byproducts of the process of death are the currency of of this reality um die dark is surprisingly playful and comedic like i have an example there's a sequence in volume five where the gang is taking a breather in a place called Dark Nest. It's kind of like a Moss Eisley between worlds. Like it's a place where they can rest a bit and refuel and stock up on weapons or other things they'll need in their adventures, etc. Um, they're at a place called Cafe Lightless. And Shimada Death, which is the self-proclaimed most powerful being in the universe, this is... a uh, a lady who kills and then devours souls like a big old chicken leg, like just chomps on souls. Uh, so very, very dark. But they're sitting there around a table and she's pummeling this Damimaru character who also goes by the name of Hellmaster. She's pummeling him with questions. Like a lot of stuff about this guy just does not add up. He can't seem to die. He keeps coming back from death and and his Paggy, again, not going to get into it, his Paggy Nagarun isn't like other Paggies. And she wants to know like everything about him. What's up with this dude? And she can detect if he's lying. And she tells him it's not really a threat because the guy will just come back. She's like, I will kill you if you lie to me. So they're having this, this round table. And, and while the back and forth is going on, Zaha Sanko, the main character of Die Dark, he orders something called a Nightfall Mochi. It's a dessert one can only find at the Cafe Lightness. This thing comes in two parts. One is an extended, like, diamond-shaped thing. If you ever saw uh, Hellraiser 2, the Leviathan, the, the, the giant diamond thing, it's kind of shaped like that. And and the other part is a pot of something called heat syrup. And and as always, Hayashida like details the process of, of this dessert, which involves connecting the pot to the diamond shaped thing, and, and there's a, a a a spike on the pot and you slam down on the spike and it inflates the this dessert to the point where it ultimately explodes. And it showers everybody in proximity with these little shards of black, like magic shell goop thing. And, and the, the dessert is this goopy, dark, taffy-like mass, which Sanko takes great joy in slurping, right? And there's this little, um, the ship is called Moja, and it's a giant pig-like ship 
with a, 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 a pig's skull. It's, it's very odd, very strange, but Moja is a diminutive replica of the ship. And Moja keeps exclaiming, ooh, it's so stretchy. And, and as this sequence goes on, they're, they're, they keep talking back and forth about, you know, she's grilling Damimaru. Sanko keeps ordering more Nightfall Mokis. So there'll be a bit of dialogue, and you see him on the side, and the thing's inflating, and all of a sudden, boom, it blows up, and they're all covered with, with the little shards, and then they keep talking, and he wears another one, and it's like, you, 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 the thing blows up again, and it happens, like the comedic timing of this, this sequence is amazing. And I was just laughing my ass off, but the, my point being, it's in a book that's extremely dark. Everything in this book is dark flesh is is at the soul of it dismemberment death just really unsavory things in this book and yet the creator takes the time to do this little lighthearted sequence and it's just a joy to read it's it's lovely but i shouldn't be using the word lovely in tandem with a book this dark but there you go that that's the magic of die dark it's just so different so outside of the beaten path it's amazing if you haven't read it i implore you to read die dark um i think it's from seven seas is it let me get the volume right here Sounds right. yeah it's from seven seas they're my publisher of the year last year in the uh o'claskers mm-hmm. uh by q hayashida it's amazing it really is it just it's it's one of my favorite things on the planet Wow. Yeah. Yep. Big and, and her illustration style is is breathtaking. Hmm. It, it's so scratchy and dark and and expressive and loose and it's just amazing. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Amazing. It is amazing. There you go. Right. There you go. Uh, so I did get to um, catch up on uh on a book by someone you heard earlier in this episode uh and i think i'm really enjoying the second arc of local man uh the um it's weird that how quickly uh very easy characters can just kind of change on you or obviously or, or then eventually maybe show their true colors or you get more information on them and and uh it may alter your feelings on them from when they originally appeared earlier in the issue the second arc uh which started with issue six following the events from from local man gold uh the backups the the uh the the third gen sections of of these issues uh, shine some light on on a character that uh, that uh, that Jack knows very well, and and I did not see it coming, and I'm not sure really how, how I feel about it right now. But uh, one of these issues is a bit more explicit than previous issues, which I had to. Um, I got a kick out of, and and I had to compliment Tony. Uh, I had to shoot him a text after I after I got to that page. But um, 
I think is it if, if you aren't reading local main, you're doing yourself a service. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it, uh, I want to say it's unlike any book on the stands, but it's, it's based on it. It, it, it relies on books that you may be familiar with from the past. So it, it, it kind of straddles that line and it, it's, it's done really well. I think, um, I think the whole, the mystery is as Jack is pulling these threads and, uh, and, and we'll realize, we'll find out just how, how deep, how vast this, uh, this, this conspiracy is. Um, it's going to be quite eye opening. Um, the, the, the psychedelics were, were, were interesting to play, watch to play out. It, <laughs> it's been a fantastic arc. Like I said, uh, I, I kind of don't want it to end, but, um, I, I just, I, I almost feel bad, um, when Jack realizes or as he, as he begins to realize, uh, what, um, what may have actually, what's going on and, and, and what yep. is going on and, and, uh, and, and this, this eighth issue, um, when he, what he is, he, I mean, the fourth wall breaking is just, Oh my God! It's Deadpool can learn a few things. He's walking through ads. It's it's fantastic, and even even the back covers or or the not the homage, not not not, not the '90s image variant covers, but the uh, the the back cover for for the backup uh, where, where where it says "local girl" and she's just she's just basically like cut out of a photo, and then she's just like pasted herself into into the image into the rest of the cover it's it's and she's just like completely perspective is all wrong she's just standing here and like you know her 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 sweater with everything else it, it's things like that just make me chuckle but actually seriously if you aren't you should be i i am sure local man will be on plenty of favorite lists for the o'claskers uh and and it, as it should um but yeah Hundred percent in your travels. Read local man. I think the first trade is out soon. Uh, I think it is out. You got okay. Yeah. I don't know if it includes gold, but you've got you've got the first five issues. You've got local man gold, and now you've got up to issue eight. Um, so it, it's not like you've got a lot to. We're not talking about love and rockets here. You're not going back years to catch up. It's it's and you're going. You're going to enjoy yourself when you do it's it, it absolutely is a lot of fun i think tim and tony are doing fantastic work here everybody involved um should should take a bow it's 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 crazy it's funny it's extremely well done and it is it's one of it's it's an image comic that actually feels human in in spots which you don't really get from sure. a lot of a lot of yeah. image books so yeah in your travels local man Tim Seeley, Tony Fleece, Brad Simpson. Get it. It's got a dick pic. And it's got a dick pic. <laughs> win, I told win. Tony, I says, you draw a fantastic starfish, my man. Yep. <laughs> Indeed. I concur with everything you said. Uh, <laughs> nothing more to say. I, you you dropped the mic, but I, I don't disagree at all. <laughs> Dare I say, is it blasphemous to say I think it's it's Tony's best work today? See, this is this is the problem. We said it with, with Stray Dogs. We said, oh, my God, how is Tony going to crawl out from under this hit? I, I think it's going to take some doing 
for, for Tony and Tim to eclipse local man. It's going to yeah. take up. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at least um, in terms of like, I mean, and it's not like we're talking out of school here. We Tony knows this. It, it, it's just that a lot of the books that Tony spent a good chunk of his career on aren't, are, it's not, they're not well done. They're just not of my particular interest. Sure. Yet, you know, so, right. Uh, no, Stray Dogs is awesome. It's something, but yeah, but, but, uh, but this is the, this is the book that he's worked on that I felt the most like, if I just didn't know who he was, right. I'd be like, damn, this guy's, this guy's it's legit. You know, like I gotta get, I gotta, you know, so, so yeah, I, 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 I hope that, uh, I hope they get to finish the story, like take as much time to finish the story as, as they as they need, right? You know what I mean? Like right. that yeah. the book sells well enough that they can just take the journey. Whether and again, whether that's another arc or or another thirty issues, whatever they want to do, I just hope they don't have to let sales dictate the pace of it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think Feral's going to explode, yeah, but too. but that's yeah. that's tied to the the Stray Dog success. Um, and, and and I don't think I mean it, it it's going to survive and and succeed on its own merit, but there's that echo of Stray Dogs still in the marketplace, where it's going to be like, oh, you like this, you're going to love this, and and we you know we've said it, um, Feral is is a cut above Stray Dogs, but I think creatively, Local Man is is Tony right now, Local Man's Tony's Watchman. Mm-hmm. And Tim's too, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. Right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I love Hack Slash, but right. Local Man is in, yeah. in eight in eight issues. Local Man has totally outdone Hack Slash. <laughs> well, you know what? Actually, I, I'm probably like Celia Norton had the long run on um, what was the name of that? that their, oh, their... oh, um, re, um, revival. Yeah, yeah, revival. They, that was that's probably their collectively seminal work to, to date. Okay. Yeah, I, I like Local Man better, but uh, well, no, yeah, the revival went on for like forty issues, I think. Yes, it, was, it did. Yeah, it's like yeah. three hardcovers, three oversized hardcovers. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, I'll, I'll try and keep this tight in your travels. Um, I was, if you recall, at the opening of the show, Hazel the Rabbit, which should have been a clue to all of you folks that weren't uh, born in this this century, because then you might not know what the hell I'm talking about. But if you were born in the last century, like we were, because we old. Uh, you probably know that Hazel the Rabbit is one of the lead protagonists in the wonderful uh, Richard Adams story, Watership Down. Yeah, fucking brutal. Yep. Yeah, and and, and um, the the Watership Down is just definitely like a generational thing, right? I mean, it was written in the early seventies, and it felt like a book because of 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 the age cohort that we were that that a lot of kids in school, ourselves included, were were introduced to to read. Um, then of course the animated film came out around in there in the as well, which, which again, I think we all kind of saw as we were kids, I'm sure multiple times. So always very fond of it. I do. Re- it's so weird that the memories you have, I remember checking this out of the library. Like I can remember that, me- you know, that memory. And I was probably not even 10 years old. I have vivid memories in particular of checking this book out of the library, which is pretty trippy. Um, but yeah, so so lo these many years later, um, it's been turned into a graphic novel adaptation, beautifully drawn by Joe Sutphin and um, the and written, you know, adapted, I should say, uh, by James Sturm uh, from from Richard Adams' book. Um, it is much like the prose book. It is uh, a long, long book. It is three hundred and eighty-two pages um, of wonderful illustration, and I have to say that. Uh, 
you know, trying to draw non-anthropomorphic rabbits um, where you have dozens of different characters and not and not making it cartoony enough where, where they don't look like rabbits anymore and being able to draw that where you can figure out who's talking and not getting confused is an incredibly difficult task. Um, but, but he pulls it off. Sutton pulls it off. I mean, the majority of these rabbits are the same species, so they look pretty much the same, like maybe a little bit different size ears, maybe a little bit of a different snout, but the, 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 the ability to tell them apart without being confused is really done through the way that Sutton structures the, the panel layouts and the flow. And he does a great job with it. I really felt like, like I never was, I never was a loss for who we were, who we were hearing from or, or what they were, you know, what was going on. And, uh, and it's awesome. But, but Sutton's art for those that don't know, it's, it's done here. Very, very, um, like illustrative, like almost like, um, like an illustrated educational book type of a thing. Um, um, just like a shade cartoony, just in that it's, but, but based on lifelike, I mean, it's really like, it's, it's a, it's much closer to like lifelike illustrative, uh, work than it is, um, like a Looney Tunes kind of a, a look if people are wondering, but it doesn't look like European bond Disney cell animation. This is a much more muted pencil heavy, um, um, style. So, but just awesome. I mean, I hope I, I'm not going to get into the story of Watership Down. Like, like we said, it's a very long story. Um, it's basically though at, at its heart, a, a bunch of rabbits have to leave their home because of, um, human interloping and they have to go on a journey, um, to find a new home. And it's kind of like the walking dead. Like they, they make multiple stops, but, but sometimes the stop they think is, is the new home ends up having its own danger and have to keep going. And, uh, and, and it's, it's just a beautiful look at community and life and, and the transient nature of like immigrants and, uh, and the journey they have to go on to find it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's allegorical and, uh, just a wonderful adaptation. So, um, if that story in any of its versions means anything to you and you love comics, I really think you'll enjoy Watership Down, the graphic novel. And I should shout out who the publisher is. It is a uh, 10 speed graphics. So it's not, that's not a, that's not a publisher I'm previously familiar with, but, uh, but hopefully this is a sign of, of what's to come because they did a great job with it. Yeah, that's a, uh, the animated feature traumatized Fuck oh, me generations of, of kids. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. I, I show it in my class, uh, animation for the illustrator. And it just, if, if the, most of the students haven't seen it and, they walk out of that class like, what in the hell did you just expose <laughs> yeah, us to? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hey, remember, twice a week, my people. So this is going to be – here's the schedule for those of you who don't know, which is probably all of you. New episodes on Friday and Tuesday. There you go, twice a week. So uh, join us. We hope you stick around. We hope you come back for more. Get yourselves to a comic book shop. Buy some books. Talk about them online. Come to our Facebook page. Come to our show because we'll probably be talking about the books you bought. And in the meantime, say goodnight. Turquoise? What's his name? <laughs> Samuel? No, it's David. Oh, good night. Gil Cuddy. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. I'm going to get the guts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
Love it. Bye, people. Peace. Douches. That's it for that one. <laughs>